Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on proving his will and finances. I figured we'd do some more math today. I know how much y'all enjoyed it, math last week. So I figured we'd do just a little bit more. And I got to jump in super, super, super fast and cut it super, super, super short, and that's okay. Um, I, um, I am a guy of practicalities, and so um, I don't always do well with um, abstracts or theories or ideas. And so I left last week after sharing what I shared and kind of felt like that was a great theory, that was a great idea, but it needs more teeth to it. So we left last week understanding that we need to give Christ his proper place of worth that will inform everything else in our life and cause the equation of our life to come out with the right answers instead of the wrong answers, right? What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? So I want to go a little bit more today in what that means. And I I wanted to talk about like five different areas that we have to do that and go through what that looks like. And um, I only got to one area today, and I think that's all we have time for. And now we have less time than I thought we had, so I know for sure I only have time for one. But where we were last week is we discussed that in the equation of life, your life, your circumstances, your situation, the plan of God, the will of God, is for us to be holy, as he is holy, okay? Through Christ, which is X, remember we talked about that last week. Don't get mad at people that put Xmas, because in the original language in Greek, X stands for Christ, so they're doing okay when they put X there. It's all right. So, um, don't, get, don't get too upset about it. Don't worry about it. So, we have to have expectations of Christ of how he's going to affect our life and our situation. And that will inform our faith in our current circumstance. Right? But it doesn't just inform our faith, it informs our action. James talks about having faith, but also having action. And so it's not just faith, but it's action. And so having a proper view of Christ and how he can affect the equation of our life and the intentionality that he has for us, it will will inform our actions. Now here's the deal. Uh, Romans 12, one of my favorite verses, I read it all the time. 
Verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Okay? Worship comes from an old English word, worshiping. Okay? So worship is worth shaping. So we present our body to shape worth. Okay? We shape our worth in light of who he is, and when we worship, we're transformed into who he created us to be because we shape our worth in light of him. So we have to present ourselves, our life, our actions, our, all these things to shape our worth. Okay? So it's a proper view of him. So we come to that, and we present our life to that, and then we come out holy. And so, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So I was thinking back to school and doing math, and one of my least favorite things to do in school in math was to write any of the problems out, for one. You know what I mean? Because... I loved math, and I could do math in my head, and the worst thing in the world was writing all that down. Why do I need to write all that down? I know the answer. The answer's four. Who cares what about all that stuff? You know? Well, you're going to need to know. Boy, I'm never going to need to know to write all that stuff. Somebody's going to ask me a question, and what I need to know is the answer, not a bunch of stuff on paper. And so the only thing I like less than writing all of the problem out is... You know when they make you, Luis, you probably do this to the kids in math. Not only do they make you write the problem out, but then you get the right answer. Then you've got to go back and prove the answer. Right? And so you got to write the problem backwards to prove the answer. And it's like, why do I got to prove the answer? I did it. I got the answer. You know it's right. Why do I got to prove it? I should only have to prove it if it's wrong, Right? My goodness. So, but I was thinking about that this week when I wanted to put more practicality and more tangibleness to, tangibleness, that's a good word. Y'all should write that down. Put more tangibleness to this whole concept of how much he impacts the outcome of our life, whether we end up in lack or whether we end up holy. I just snorted if y'all didn't hear that. That's great. <laughs> Nailed it. Who said that? Who said that? Nick nailed it. Oh, my goodness. So, but, okay, so Romans 12, 2 says we're going to prove what the will of God is. So it's like working from the right answer back to the equation. Okay? So what we have to do is, Where'd my marker go? My goodness, those things. So the very first thing we have to do is discover the heart of God for us and be convinced of what his will is. Okay? And so we, we, we get the answer... And we have to find the answer in his word, and we have to be convinced of what his intention is for us. Okay? 
Because you can't just have the pastor tell you, put enough emphasis on Christ in your life. You have to believe what his intention is for your life. And then when you believe his intention for your life, then you can come back and you can confirm the value that Christ has in the equation of getting you to where he intended you to be. Right? God's plan for your life. He sent his son so that none should perish but have everlasting life. He raised us up and sat us with him in heavenly places so he could lavish on us the riches of the kingdom for eternity, right? So he sent his son into the equation of our life to bring about his will in our life. So you get the answer and you get the very will of Christ and the only thing that's left is the tangible things that you can see in the world around you that you have control over. Okay? So this is always right, and this is always the same. So the only way that this answer can become wrong is if we don't let all of this influence what we do with the part that we have control over. Okay? So, we have to look at God's heart for us. Look at Philippians 4, 19. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. What's God's intention for me? Proverbs 10, true enrichment comes from the blessing of the Lord with rest and contentment in knowing that it all comes from him. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. The words of the kingdom are extravagant, aren't they? Overflow, abundance, everything, everywhere, overwhelm. Jeremiah 17 Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. What's God's intention for my life? How do we prove the problem? We have to go back and make these variables line up with his plan and his promise, and our actions have to equal it, have to be added to it. And so if we believe his intention and we believe there's provision for it, the only variable left is what we do with what we have in our hands. <laughs> so, 
play. I'm, I, I got a track back there. I'm going to play a little song. I'm going to sing a little song for y'all. I got my soundtrack in the back. I'm sick and tired of this being the song of the believers. All right? So play it for me. I was going to do all this, but I just can't. I don't have it. Never be enough. All the light of a thousand spotlights. Never be enough. Hannah, you should have came up and sang it. You're doing so good. Never. Never. Sean, you're doing good too. Come on, we have a little competition. He's doing good. Chloe, where you at? Mom doing a good job there. Good job. Good job, Miranda. Never enough. Never enough. Never enough for me. Here we go. One more time. Never be enough. Never be enough. Never, never, <laughs> never, never, never for me. One more time. One more. It went off. All right. If it's not there, I must cut it off. Nehemiah said, I woke up to that this morning, Dad. I was trying to cut that clip. So my kids are like, Dad's listening to the greatest showman preparing to preach. That's awkward. <laughs> but that is so the song of so many believers. Never enough for me. Never enough, never, never, never. I hear it over and over and over again. Never, never, never enough, never enough, never enough. For me, never enough, never enough. And the thing is, it is never going to be enough. All the lights from a thousand spotlights, what's the one about gold towers, all the, whatever. Nothing on this earth is ever going to be enough. Look at 1 Timothy 6. 10 through 11, loving money is the first step toward all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from their faith into error. Compounding, that's compound interest, if anybody didn't understand it. 
compounding misery in their lives. Timothy, you're God's man, so run from all these errors. Instead, chase after true holiness, justice, faithfulness, love, hope, and tender humility. Look at Proverbs 21. In wisdom's house, you'll find delightful treasures and the oil of the Holy Spirit. But the stupid... Passion translation. But the stupid squander what they have been given. The lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true. An abundant life drenched, there's one of those words of the kingdom again, drenched with favor and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. Never enough. Always enough. Overflowing, drenching, overrunning, super added, abundant. Proverbs 21, 20. That same verse in the message, this is amazing. It says, valuables are safe in a wise person's home. Fools put it all out for yard sales. <laughs> you got what you do with this matters. What your actions matter. He can give you all this to equal holy, but if you put all he gave you out for a yard sale then you're not going to come out much. It matters what we see as valuable and what we hold to and what we invest in and what we do with what he's given us. It matters. It matters. And if we're obsessed with having more money, it's never going to be enough. But if we will, we will engage ourselves in the pursuit of having the kingdom, it will always be enough. And I believe wealth will follow. Some people don't like that, but that's okay. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who, or what can get to me. Luke 12, 15 through 21. I'm, I'm just trying to fly today. Speaking to the people, Jesus continued, Be alert and guard your heart from greed, always wishing for what you don't have. For your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. Never enough. Jesus then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. See, God wants us to have life with no worries at all. But if you're having no worries at all because you have a big barn, then you don't have anything at all. 
God said to him, what a fool you are to trust your riches and not in me. This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you've stored up for yourself? This is what will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. In the message version, that last verse says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. 1 Timothy 6, 17, To all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped up in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth. For your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Luke 16, 10 through 13. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you've not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spirit world? And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? It's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You'll be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It's no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. I believe it's God's intention for us to live in abundance and overflow. He set up every provision for us to do that. But our confidence in this, in Christ in us, has to inform what we do with the things that we can control. I had this thought this week, what is a hundred dollars? How much worth does the what does a hundred dollars have? If I have a hundred dollars and you have a hundred dollars, is the hundred dollars I have the same value as the hundred dollars you have in the kingdom? What will you do with the hundred dollars in your hand? What will I do with $100 in my hand? See, the wealth of this world has different kingdom values depending upon whose hand it's in. Let me not use myself as an example, but there's some of you that $100 in your hand is worth way more in the kingdom than $100 in others of your hands. Because some of you, if you get $100 in your hands, you think that's the only $100 you're ever going to have in your hands, and you go bury it, or you go spend it, and you try your best to stretch it and make it meet all of your needs because you desperately are needing that $100. Some of you, if you had $100 in your hand, 
it wouldn't stay in your hand very long because you would be looking for a place to sow it into the kingdom. So, if God is going to hand $100 to somebody, who's he going to give it to? He who's faithful over what they have, he's going to give more to. Those that squander and don't see the value, Judah's just smiling at me right now in that seat. <laughs> like a big man just sitting there. That kind of freaked me out. <laughs> this little baby just, he's just sitting in the seat looking right at me, smiling like he completely understands what I'm saying. I, yeah. Amen. I know what he would do with $100. That's what they do with everything. Put everything in their mouth. So, how much of what we, the differences of what we would do with $100 affects what comes out in the equation of our life? See, what I'm saying is, over here, $100 plus Christ equals holy but it's not it doesn't work for everybody some people got to have two hundred dollars and they're still in lack some people got to have five hundred dollars and they're still in lack some people got to have a thousand dollars and they're still in lack and this person with a hundred dollars is in fullness I can be broke and be fuller than you. Because I got treasure laid up where moths and rust do not destroy. And so I can be rich beyond comparison with way less money than somebody else. I can have peace, wholeness. My, I can lay my head down on my pillow at night without going to my calculator first and see if I'm going to be able to survive the next day with my bills. I can carry cash in my pocket and give it away every chance I get and not have another thought about what it's going to do to my budget. Man, that sounds reckless. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But what are you going to do with what you have? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember a stingy planter. I already prepared, like, when I start talking about money, I'm just going to preach to myself today. So if nobody takes it and it bounces off of you, I just get double portions of it, okay? It'll be all right. I know, you know, sometimes we start talking about money. People, like, put up a, put up a wall. I love what Paul said. And I was going to read it, but when Paul is instructed, and I don't even remember which group of people he's instructing, he says this, and so many times we don't believe it, but he said, I'm not telling you guys to give for my benefit. I'm telling you to give for your account, for your benefit. I just want people 
to live in abundance. We sing that he's holy, but our life makes us look like, makes him look like he's broke. My dad, he's my dad, he's my father, and I never have enough. That makes him look bad. He's my dad, he's my father, but I don't trust him. And I do my own thing. And it makes him look bad. We should put that disclaimer there, right? If you don't trust God, but you still say you're saved and you got your ticket to heaven, we should have different levels of it, right? So we can, like, wear a T-shirt and say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, but I don't trust God. So don't look at my life and let it reflect on him. Right? Can we have those T-shirts that say, I'm going to heaven, but I'm miserable on earth because I don't understand the kingdom. <laughs> don't look at me. I am no reflection of my father. Remember, a stingy planter is a, gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you're going to do. That will protect you against sob stories and arm-twisting God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. Luke 6, 38, give generously. And generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. I don't understand how people read the Bible and have such a problem with wealth. I mean, how do you read that and say, well, I'm not sure God wants people to have abundance? How do you read that? So he says, how it's measured back to you is going to be directly proportionate to what, what you do with what you have. Directly proportionate to what you do. Your measurement of generosity, generosity, generosity becomes I got rust and moss right today. <laughs> and I didn't even get generosity right. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And so there's a responsibility of us in the equation. And so if your song is constantly never enough, I can beyond a doubt tell you, number one, that's not his plan for your life. Amen. Number two, that's not his provision for your life. Amen. Number three, you need to evaluate what you're doing with what you do have. I was amazed today, as I always am, with the worship. 
I don't tell them what I'm doing. And they sing a song, I'll praise him when I don't have enough because he's more than enough. Right? Isn't that crazy? King James Version. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye... Oh my gosh. <laughs> For the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. That's why I don't read King James. I can't even read the Passion. But look, I want to tell you a little story from Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I know of a family that read this verse. How many people read this verse? Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. Anybody here say amen? Amen. I mean, you know, when we talk about sow sparingly and reap sparingly and it's going to come back to you to the same portion, it's kind of like when we say forgive in the same way you want God to forgive you, right? That's kind of a prayer you don't always want to pray, right? Father, forgive our debtors as we forgive those as we, to the same degree that we forgive those who have trespassed against us, right? Do you really want to make that prayer? Father, forgive me like I forgive others. I don't want you to do more or less than I forgive others. How many of us would be in trouble? Do we really want to make the prayer? Father, I only want you to provide for me to the measure that I give generously into the kingdom. But see, you don't, you don't get to rewrite it. That's just how it is. Whether you pray the prayer or not, that is how you're going to receive. Is his word true or is it not? Can you sweet talk him and change it a little bit? It's going to be true. Now, those that pursue righteousness love the word and they love the truth because it declares the promises of God. And they know that as sure as they write the check, God is going to make provision for them. But somehow those of us that want to be stingy think God's going to rewrite it for us. And we get mad at him because he didn't change everything for us. Never enough for me. We just don't obey. We don't listen. We don't respond. I know a family, when I read that, pressed down, shaking together, Men were given to your bosom. I'm like, yes, Lord, I want to be the bosom, right? Come on, men give into my bosom. I mean, I, I, I want it, right? I do. I mean, why y'all look at me like that? You want to give and then they give it to somebody else, or do you want a return to your bosom, right? I want it given back to me. I want it. I want it. I want to rely on the truth of God's word. I want to know that he's going to honor my faithfulness and he's going to honor my sacrifice and he's going to join me in it and he's going to bring back to me all that I've sowed and he's going to multiply it back to me, shaking down, pressed together, running over, right? But I know a family that read that verse and it leaped off the page to them and they said, God, make us the people that give 
shaking down, running, overflowing into people's bosom. They made that prayer. Guess what they became? Millionaires. Guess what they did with the millions? They gave it into people's bosom till they had nothing left. How many times? Three times. But that was still their prayer. So guess what happened? They became millionaires again. Guess what they did? Gave it away. All of it. Guess what happened? They became millionaires again. What is $100 in their pocket? Well, man, I'd give if I had all that too. What about when they got down to that last hundred? What about that? He who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with a lot. He who will be faithful with what they have will be given more. Matthew 6, the little heading in my Bible says, The Cure for Anxiety. It talks about worrying about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how all your needs are going to be met. And God's answer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, So above all, Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. You don't have to worry. Philippians 4.19, I'm convinced that my God will fully, say fully, satisfy every need you have, for I've seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3, last thing I'm going to read to you today. Verse 5, trust in the Lord completely. We've read this so many times. And do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Verse 9, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy.
And let me just say, verse 11 and 12 of this entire message today. Then every, let's see, my child, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly. Never be upset when he corrects you. For the Father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure for you. Even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child. I think it breaks his heart when the anthem of our life is never enough. Thank you. And he sent his son to be more than enough. More than enough. More than enough. It's my heart for you. My provision for you is more than enough. And yet we're over here doing all of our calculations and our budgeting and our actions with what we have. Screaming, never enough. Never adds up. Always short. It takes faith to receive the wealth of the kingdom. It's not a calculated thing. It's not a stock you invest in and you get a rate of return. It takes faith. The people of God are always saying never enough. Churches are saying never enough. We look like the never enough people. When it comes to money, he says we're supposed to be a lender and not a borrower. The head and not the tail. Churches are walking around trying to get free stuff from everybody. We should be giving free stuff to everybody. The wealth of the kingdom is ours. But what are we going to do with what we have? I want you to ask yourself that question today. If this was just $100 on this side, and I don't know why I stuck with that number, but that is not coming off. I must have used a permanent marker or something. Still not coming off. It's not important. That's all right. We got to go. These people don't want me to clean that board. They want me to let them go home. What does what you have that you're saying never enough, what would that be in somebody else's pocket? Would what you have be enough for somebody else? Because they would take what you have and do something different than you're doing with what you have. It's never enough. I remember Johanna and I's journey in life. I remember my first salary job after we got married and I was working at Chick-fil-A and doing all these different jobs and not making very much money and then I got a salary job and it was a certain amount of money I think $30,000 a year and Jahan and I looked at each other and was like what are we going to do with all this money it's like two or three times any money we've ever had in a year what are we going to do we're probably going to just 
have bukus of money left. Guess how much money we had left? Zero. And then we got another job, and it was like way more than that job. And it's like, what are we going to do with all this money? Guess how much money we had left? And then we got another job and made more money. What are we going to do with all this money? Then we planted a church. We didn't have any money. <laughs> but we had plenty of money. It's like those five loaves and two fish or seven loaves and three fish, whatever it is. The point is you've got to take what you have and you've got to completely surrender it into his hand and then it will come out as enough. But we start comparing what we have and what somebody else has. And if I had what they had, I'd give what they give. If I had this, I'd have that. No, you wouldn't because you don't give that portion of what you have. Right? I see people all the time. That family I was talking about, you know what they drive now? A Rolls Royce. Oh, my gosh. Would they, why would they drive a Rolls Royce? What a waste. Man, they'd give away multiple, multiple millions of dollars. They can drive a little Rolls Royce. The portion of their money they've given away that the Rolls Royce is, are you willing to give away that portion of what you have before you critique somebody else's vehicle, car? What are we doing with what we have? Our part, our portion. This isn't to beat you up today. It's just, man, I wish our song wasn't never enough. I believe there's supposed to be such abundance and overflow, but we live so orphan-minded with our finances. We act like it's the last piece of money we're ever going to see in our lives. I'm telling you, I don't carry cash. If I have a piece of cash in my pocket, I'm going to give it to somebody every time. I was with some guys yesterday. I found an envelope in my truck that had $35 in it from mowing a yard back in February or something. And I was like, this is amazing. I got money to go buy y'all lunch today. Man, isn't that awesome when God gives us, we can give away? It's amazing. I had another piece of money in my pocket. That I don't know where I even got it. It was a big piece of money. And I went to this concert last night for my sister. I didn't even know it. When I walked in, they said, you're going to take up an offering for your sister. And I was like, that's awesome. I wish you told me that. You know, I would have prepared something real awesome. No, not really. <laughs> but, but I was like, as soon as they asked me, I was like, yes, I got that piece of money in my pocket. Awesome. Well, would that piece of money have been in your pocket? Well, if you found that money yesterday, this isn't comparing me and you. It's just what do we do? How open is your wallet to the kingdom? And then you really want to judge God on your outcome when he has no invitation to your process. God, I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with my money, and then you make it be perfect. God, we love you. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for your provision. 
And God, we just prevent, golly, repent to prevent. We repent. Never enough. Never enough. Maybe we just close with that song today. Just play it again. She's doing a better job than I am. God, we repent. I so want to be a vessel. I so want to be a vessel that you can use to establish and distribute wealth where you want it to go on this earth. I want to be a conduit of the wealth of the kingdom on this planet. God, I want to be found faithful to have open hands to release whatever you put in them. Because I know that if I will have open hands, then you will have open hands to release to me the riches of the kingdom. So God, I pray that you would convict our hearts that you would draw us by your love to a place of abundance. In every place where out of fear we're holding tight and gripping as tight as we can, I pray that you would show us the path to freedom and fullness and abundance is to let go and release. What would it profit a man? What would it do to prove your will if we gained the whole world? But had no peace in our soul. You would that we prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. So many times it doesn't look like money, but it looks like wholeness in our spirit and in our soul when we trust you with everything that we have. So God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, your drawing, your tender, loving drawing that refuses to leave us in a place of lack. Your faithfulness that would come after us today and it would compel us, and it would draw us, and it would expose some of the motives of our heart that are born out of a love and a pursuit of wealth that's not born in you. Thank you for loving us enough, bringing your word to us today. We thank you, and we open our hands, and we release to you. Would everybody open your hands? Just open your hands. Could you just stay this way? Could you just position your heart this way with your finances, with your wealth, with provision? We just let go. We just release. As, as they sang earlier, if you want to do something new that astounds the minds of all those around me, I'm ready and I'll release it to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you.
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.